So many of you know Pastor Brian and Paul are here back from Hungary. Good to have you back. It's amazing. Uh, how many of you are from Finland? You were born in Finland. Would you stand up? You were born in Finland. Okay. Wow. Wow. All right. So uh, some of you may not realize, but uh, uh, Greater Grace World Outreach, we do mission work. And what it means is we go to some country, evangelize, uh, teach, and prayerfully, hopefully, people find the grace of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of grace, and grow in that grace. And this happened like a long time <laughs> I don't know, 48 years ago or something, and uh, in Finland, and so we have a we have some guests here from Finland, and and Pastor Tero is going to share a brief word with us, and I want to introduce him to you because in in our in our heart, I I mean here's a good question: How many people fit in your heart? Really? Oh, that's great answers. Wow. Everyone. Okay. Um, remember, didn't we say something like, how many elephants fit in a Volkswagen? How many elephants fit in a telephone booth? How many people can fit in your heart? Sometimes uh, two or five, my family, um, maybe 30 friends and family, but, but really, um, I don't know the answer, but I really believe it happens to us that, that we see somebody, we might not even know their name, but that, that, that gift, that person ministers to my heart. Um, they may be, they come here for convention, or um, you you might see them in and or even you never meet them, but you might see them in history. You might be fascinated by their life, by their godliness, like the saints, the men and women of faith, like Amy Carmichael or or um, John Calvin or. Billy Graham, there you go. And they fit in our heart. And they may not be like superheroes, but there's something about their humility or their love or their wisdom that ministers to, to me. And that's a blessing. That's part of life. And because, because you grow in your faith, that that's what happens. And Finland is a country in, in Northern Europe um, where we do have a lot of friends and some churches that minister there. And, and um, I want you just to, um, to realize that we all have our life. You know, I live in, uh, somebody could say I live in Rosedale or Essex or Middle River. 
I have my life, I have my job, I have my family. But could I have also uh, another part of the world in my heart? You know, right now we're praying for Israel and the poor, precious Palestinian people who are in one sense innocent and victims in a very difficult situation. The Palestinian populace I'm talking about, not the government, but the people who love their families and who want to have a job and want to have peace in their life. So world is is challenged with the troubles and the pain. But we can pray because Jesus told us to. So um, here, let's see, you vascular, or Vasa, this is where, I don't know if that came up. Okay. This is where Pasatero is from. Um, and then we have Uvascula, where is that? It's not up here, is it? No, somewhere here, I think. That's where Pastor uh, Eku is from. Pastor Kimo is from Turku here. So um, I just share that with you that maybe it, it'll, it'll stir your heart to, to have this in your prayers. So welcome, Pastor Taro. Thank you for receiving me so well. And I traveled here together with my wife, Rita. Please stand up. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> You may know her better than I because she lived here, I think, one year. And it's privileged really to be here and enjoy your hospitality, your great church. You have really received us warmly. And I made a decision to go to the pastor's retreat, and then we attended with some others from here, Free Christ Alliance Conference, and I think... One reason why I wanted to go to the conferences and be here with the church a little bit longer time was that I have done certain things in the ministry, and like missions committee and other things. And, but I want to do something new as well. So I wanted to get a little bit like fine-tuning, uh, maybe even redirection and and, and wisdom from God, so what to do next. And so we are staying in the Vasa, definitely, but, but there is some, something to do there. And I found that time in the pastor's retreat was very very good time. So it really exceeded my expectations. So if I had one ex- expectation, I also saw that we should always expect unexpected. So God spoke to me about different things and opened up the Bible passages. And, and then, then we went back to, back to Baltimore from Pennsylvania, and, and, and we have stayed with mini cellos, and, that, and they are a wonderful family. 
So I'm so grateful that they received us so warmly. And I started to think about the Bible passage we covered in the pastor's retreat, and I revisited that in, in another conference as well. And I think, like, main theme was there finishing well. But also, Pastor touches a little bit an issue, rediscover your ministry. And on other conference, I think, like, a central topic was, like, keep learning, keep learning from Jesus. And, and then, meanwhile, I was a little bit sick. I got this China virus infection, so... I had time to read Bible and think through these passages. So, so what we covered in the, in the in the pastor's retreat was Acts 20. Paul left Ephesus, and and I read a little bit onwards how he left it, and it's Acts 20 and verses 37 and onwards. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So in order to finish well means that, at least it means for me, for now, that I need to move on. I need to continue. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing maybe old things in old way. Not necessarily even that I'm doing all things in a new way, but I need to do something that is radically new. And, and that's the passage here. But in order to do that, it means that we cannot accomplish everything in life. So we need to leave something behind, as Paul did, and he gave us very good model how to live Christian life. And if we leave something behind. Most probably they are precious things, like Paul left Ephesus and people there, elders, pastors, church members, Bible school students. He was there many years. So it was emotionally tough thing. So in order to move on, it may mean that I leave something precious behind in order to gain something else. And Paul had already planned what to do, and he has written Romans, and I like to, like to read one verse from his grand plan, and it's Romans 1 and 11 and 12. Romans 1, 11 and 12. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. To make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So Paul wanted to do something new. He moved from eastern part of Roman Empire, Greek-speaking area, to uh, Hebrew-speaking area to the west, Latin west, and was eager to go into Spain. So he needed to learn a new culture, new way to do ministry, maybe new language, new friends, new, new partners to do missions. 
So he was ready to learn. But he was also planning to do it together with others. So what I think my time here is that if I want to do well, finish well, I need to leave something precious behind. That's point number one. Point number two, I want to learn something new. And point number three, I need the body of Christ. I cannot do this alone. I cannot make it alone. And this is my testimony from my time here. It has been a great time. And, and I'm looking forward to see you again. And, and, and I'm looking forward to do something new when I go back to home and, and, and asking your prayers that God will bless what we are trying to accomplish there. And not just what we are doing. That's the important thing, what we are doing, but also how we are and, and what is our being. And, and so we don't forget these three principles there, like leaving something behind, learning something new, and doing it together. God bless you, your awesome church. Well, that was uh, touching, wasn't it? While we wait for you, Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next of it part? Thy kingdom come. Where? Where? On earth in Baltimore? On earth. What is it like? If your kingdom come on earth as it is what? As it is in heaven. Question, is there death in heaven? Well, is that coming to the earth? What? I mean, you're like, am I trying to trick you? I'm not. Come, come, Lord, and your kingdom of heaven come on earth as it is in heaven, is there death in heaven? How about sin, uh, fear, crime, Tylenol, PM, <laughs> medications, hospitals? All right, so is that coming on earth? It is. It's coming. So when we say that prayer, it's like we really... How about how about this point? First John chapter four. It says, "We are as He is." Would you turn there with me? First John four, or it goes up on the screen. Some somebody asked me, "Do your people carry Bibles to to your church services?" I said, "Not not anymore." Yeah, they, we were very serious about it. We'd wave our Bible even, but uh, how many, let's do it. How many brought a Bible? Wow, I was wrong. I was wrong. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so we have it in our heart. We have it on our screen. We have it in our, our hand. 
and it's First John 4, verse, um, where we have it, yeah. the verse I'm thinking is, 17, thank you. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Wait a minute. As he is, Jesus, right? As he is, so are we. I would have written it, if I was writing the Bible, I would say, as Jesus is, so we will become like him. But it isn't written that way. As he is, so are we in this present evil world. What does that mean? Christ born in us is the same Christ that is. He is the same. And as he is, so we are. But I might not act like it. I, of course, I'm not perfect as he is, but I am perfect as he is in the mind of God. God is saying, you are as perfect as my son. You are righteous. How righteous are you? As righteous as he is. Because he imputed it to us. Imputing means legally has recognized, uh, recognized us as righteous as Christ. His obedience is imputed to you. And that, that 2 Corinthians 5.21, we are righteous as he is. How did you become righteous? Romans chapter 3, by believing. We believed. That was all. That's all that we did. We believed and we were saved, made righteous. So we have two words, justification. This is, a, is another word for salvation. And then we have sanctification is our practice in our experience in life. One is progressive. One could be like a point in time, we are justified, made righteous, 100%. You are saved. Why would you go to heaven? Not because you are a nice guy or you are decent or civilized or moral. You, are, you go to heaven because you are born again. You've been declared righteous by God because you believed. At one point in time, you believed and you're justified. There's no progression in it, no process. There's no time lapse where you become more and more righteous. You, that happens over here on the other side of the picture here. Sanctification is you're saved. Now you go through your life. You go ups and downs and you... you Go, you grow. Hopefully, you're you're going, you're growing. Hopefully, you are growing. What if I'm not growing? Then are you alive? Because living things grow. What what if you you uh, 
um, are say you are saved, and there doesn't look like there's any progression in your life, any growth in your life, then I I would say, uh, in a word, as a pastor to you, like why do that? If the great grace, because this was over here on this side, great grace made you a child of God. So why wouldn't the same great grace here be what changes your life? Why not live in faith and grow in your faith and be changed from glory to glory and have a better life? You actually have a better life by growing in his grace and growing in the knowledge of Christ. So you will learn vocabulary here in the church and understand things little by little as you have an open book, open Bible, and the Holy Spirit is your teacher. All right, so uh, Pastor Tarot mentioned um, like dropping things or letting them go. How did you say it? What was it? Leaving them behind. Yeah, like taking things and letting them go, leaving them behind. I I would like to share a message now about, I think we'll do John 8. And read this story very simply and see how the message Develops. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. I wish I was there. How about you? Wow. I wish I was there. Wow. The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So we have uh, Jesus in the environment of religion and also the environment of of idolatry, to be frank, idolatry. For the Pharisees invented in their minds the concept of God that would say, you, Pastor Eugene, could you come walk up here just for a minute? I want, I want to show you something. Let's say Pastor Eugene is a good man, a religious man, and he's a Pharisee, okay? <laughs> Let's just say he's a Pharisee. Sorry to do Okay, so, okay. So, he wants a God that's going to say to him, Eugene, you're good. You're real good. You fast twice a week. You keep the law. And he wants a God, like I'm playing that part now, where I'll say, Eugene, you are good. You are good. He wants that God. But where did that God come from? from his own mind. He wants to have a God like me that's going to say, Eugene, man, you're doing good. Keep it, keep it up. 
You're doing good. What is he missing? He, well, he's blind. Well, how is he blind? He's blind by his pride. That he, he believes he is good, and he has God saying to him, but is that God, that's me in this case, right? Am I the real God? I am not the real God. I am the God that came from his mind and his ideas. And he likes it. He likes it that he's got me. Guys, like, I'm not challenging him. Right? And he brings a, an adulteress to Jesus and says to Jesus, to test Jesus. Okay, Jesus, okay. Moses said she's to be stoned. What do you say? Now, Jesus is not this God. Like, Jesus is over here. And he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know that Jesus is God. He doesn't know Jesus. But he has a Jewish religion, and he has a concept of God. But that concept of God is reinforcing his ego. But Jesus is not reinforcing his ego. Jesus is going to teach him something. Right? Okay, I don't know. Should we have him sit down, or should we keep him up here? All right, go. Go. Now, go to John 8, and let's read the story. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now, this is dangerous. When you bring your thoughts to Christ, when Eugene brings his thoughts that he's thinking, he brings them to Jesus and said, what do you think? That's dangerous. That, by the way, is why some people don't read the Bible. Because they don't want to know what Jesus thinks. That's why sometimes they stay away from us. Have you noticed that? Like they walk on the other side of the street. Oh, <laughs> right, and I'm joking. Hey, no, but think about it. It takes some courage to bring it to Jesus. What do you think we should do with this woman? But I would say they weren't humble. They were proud. I think we will read that in a second. What do you think? But they're doing it to test him because they, they feel they got him because they know he's gracious. They know he heals the leper. They know he lives with sinners and publicans and sinners, and they, they got a feeling of his way. He's not Orthodox Jew. That's what they think. But Matthew 5.17 says he was. In every law, he fulfilled the law. Everything he did was in obedience to the law. He was righteous, but he had another spirit. It wasn't pride. This man, Eugene, has, has the law, but he has pride. And he doesn't have God. That's shocking that a religious person doesn't have God, isn't it? I mean, the real, of course he has God, but it's his God that's like, you know, yeah, 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 rah, 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 yeah, you're good, you're good. But now it's like, now it's Jesus' time. Let's read verse 6. This they said, well, here it is, tempting him. What do you say? 
Ha, 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 ha. We caught you. We have to stone her. What do you say, you know? That they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now here, this is interesting. What do you say, Jesus? And it's as if Jesus didn't hear them, and he stooped down on the ground, and he wrote on the ground. Now, I don't know what he wrote. I don't think anybody really knows. Some say he wrote the Ten Commandments. Maybe he wrote a psalm. Maybe he wrote their names. Maybe he he wrote the name of the woman, maybe the name of the man. By the way, the man guilty of adultery is not in the picture. Where did he go? Hey, all the women, all the women, come on, rise up and protest. Where's the guy? Where's the guy? She didn't do this alone. Where's the guilty guy? Okay. So, but maybe the timing is part of it. Guys, if you really want to know what Jesus thinks, you should take time to listen to him. If we are humble and we want to know the real answer, then let's just realize that it's going to come, but it's not going to be from pride. It'll be from humility. God is humble. God tells the truth. God will speak to our hearts. And he's preparing this because this is about the heart. Woman is guilty. That's part of it. But there's more. It's all those people that are there ready to stone her. Their hearts. Eugene's heart. The living God is present. Not Eugene's God that just says, yes, she's guilty, stoner. But this is another God, the living God, right? The real one. Let's read verse 7. So when they continued asking him, it looks like they just, they just asked again. He lifted up himself and said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now we have God in the picture. And there's two parts to it. Her, her, them, the audience, and her. Actually, there's two parties guilty. They're ones that are willing to stone her because their hearts are hard. There is no love. The meaning of the law is love. The letter of the law would be to stone her. But God is also, he is beyond the letter, even though the letter is respected, but there is the spirit of God in this story. The spirit of forgiveness and grace and love. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. More time, more heart, heart searching. They which heard it. Maybe it was just his presence that convicted them. Being convicted of their own conscience went out one by one, 
beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Second, second party is her. And she said, he said unto her, Woman, where are your accusers? Have no man condemn you. And I, I would say, I just think that Jesus must have been relieved that no man condemned her. You know, like he, 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 the spirit of God in that event was so strong that there must have been amazing work of grace and work, work of God. I think of like a atmosphere and the spirit of God being so strong. Of course one would throw a stone. Of course worked up, worked up in arrogance and whatever you want to call it. But nobody did. Where are they? No man, Lord. I remember um, I was very upset with somebody and I was talking to myself, looking out the window where I was living and I remember uh, just judging, just judging somebody. And I remember, and then I remember the story. Me, who is, if I am without sin, I can throw the stone. But I'm not. I can't throw a stone. I want to easily judge, especially when they're guilty. It's, it's another thing when you invent it in your mind that they're guilty. It's another thing when they really are guilty. They come out of prison or they, they, they are very guilty. They will admit it. And then you do not throw a stone. You give grace. You love them. God is the God of new beginnings, you know. All the time, there's always a new beginning with God. All the time, really. He doesn't stop. It says his mercies are new every morning. And I said this recently. April 12th just made up a day, you know, let's say 18 or whatever, 59. That morning... The mercies were new. But what about today? 2023, whatever date it is, October, whatever. How about today? Were the mercies new? Were they different from April 12, 1859? I believe so. I believe his, everything is new. Everything is different. I mean, he's the God of all grace, and he gives mercy every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We are not the same people. That the people that are living today have new mercy, new grace every morning. And when Jesus is talking to the woman, he is saying, neither do I condemn you. My mercies are new this morning or this afternoon. I am not here to judge you. I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to give you a new beginning. I'm here to save you. 
I came into the world to die for you. I give you great grace that you stand in it, you grow in it, you learn it, you use it. You have it in your heart. You actually are a gracious person. You're a loving person. You're a forgiving person. You give grace, and that's a beautiful way of life. Okay, so let's uh, finish that story. It says, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What do you think happened in her heart? How about the people that went away? They dropped the stones and they go away. And then later, an hour later, whatever happened to that woman? What happened to that? Oh, Jesus forgave her. Well, how could he forgive sin, right? Another God in Mark 3. How could? He has no right to do that. And whatever happened to that woman who we caught in adultery, brought it before you, he let her go. And she go. I don't know, she lives on the other side of town. And she should be stoned. What's happening with her? And if you saw her or met her, she would believe in not Eugene's God. Sorry. Not me. He, she would believe in him, the living God. So let's say a couple things about pride, and, and then we'll finish up here. Um, no, let's go to Psalm 124, and we'll finish up there. I think of Obadiah 1.3. It's another one. Let's, could we throw that up on the screen, Obadiah 1.3? And think of Israel right today with enemies around her. And we have the prophet Obadiah talking to the Edomites who were proud, chapter 1, verse 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you because they lived up in the mountains in southeastern part of Israel, that area on the east side of the Dead Sea. They were up in the mountains and they felt militarily they were you could not defeat them militarily they were impervious they couldn't be invaded couldn't be defeated so they had pride in their heart verse 3 the pride of your heart has deceived you you that dwell in the clefts of the rock whose habitation is high this said in his heart who shall bring me down to the ground didn't have an armies and leaders and Napoleon. Napoleon said it, I forget what he said. It was uh, um, he created circumstances. Napoleon said in his victories at the height of his power, he said, I create the circumstances. I am in charge. But he was brought down to an island. House arrest. Saddam Hussein in a spider cave, in this little hole in the ground, brought down. Hitler brought down. Pride brings, down, brings us down. 
I'm, I'm, I, I have something to read here. I don't want to lose you, though. I think you're following me, and I want to finish up, but uh, I'll read it. It's very interesting. It's called The Great Sin. It's C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. And he said, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine they are guilty of it. I've heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, they cannot keep their heads about girls, or drink, or even they are cowards. I do not think I've ever heard anyone who is not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There's no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm talking of is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite to it is is in Christian morals called humility. Um, Eugene is a good man and his God is saying, you, Eugene, you're good, you're good, you're doing it. You're doing it. He's, he's proud. He has, he has made, he's religiously proud. But when you come to Jesus and say, what do you say? He goes down on the ground, and he writes in the dirt, and he takes his time. Then when he stands up, he goes to your heart. And you realize you are wrong. When you realize you are wrong, it's good. I need that because I'm proud. I'm proud that I'm a good man. I'm proud my God is saying I'm a good man. I'm a good man. And Jesus, who is he? He is nothing. But when Jesus touches your heart, you go, Jesus is everything. And I'm nothing. I'm not, I'm, not in the, I'm not that important. I found Jesus. And Jesus brought humility in my heart. And I get rid of this God. This God who doesn't do anything for me. He just reinforces my arrogance or my blindness. He would love it to just take me all the way to hell. And self-righteousness and arrogance and judging people and being, being that way. But when you have Jesus, really, Jesus Christ in your life, he produces humility in you and I, by the grace of God. If we have humility, you know, you might have a drinking problem, but if you have humility, God will give you greater grace. James 4, 6. You might have other moral problems. This woman had a moral problem. She had a moral problem. You might have one, you, you and I have them. But when we find him and humility comes into our hearts and we are worshipers of the real God, the, the true God, then that's when our lives change. They do. 
They change. We have authority with God. Because it says in James 4, 6, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And you go, where did that thing go? It's gone. Where did that bad habit go? It's gone. How did that happen? I, I asked Jesus what you think. He gave me a good answer that went into my heart, checked me, and said, Eugene, you're not as great as you think you are. You're filled with yourself. This woman needs help. What will you do to help her? Wait, what can you say? Can you give her grace? Eugene, who's your God? Who is your God? You're high and mighty in the mountains, but God said, I will bring you down. I will humble you. I will bring you down. And that's what we all need as a way of life. And if we have any of it, we just say, thank you, Jesus. If I have any of your humility in my life, thank you. Guys, you will, you will do really good with us because, because you kind of got us rightly related to the truth. And, and we welcome it. Keep coming to church. Humbly read your Bible. Humbly love each other. And by the way, just in closing, when you run into a problem here at the church, make sure you're humble. And when you're humble, you go to the right people or you don't go to anybody. And you express yourself in humility. And we ho- hopefully we will understand and help each other in our walk. But this is a room full of human beings. And whenever you have human beings, we have problems. Right? We are human beings with Jesus there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm really serious about it. What do you have to say? He will help us. He will lead us and guide us. And we'll work through our things and learn how to talk, learn how to love, learn how to encourage. Okay? Let's go. Amen. Lord, we have our hearts open to the freshness of your presence that we would hear you, receive from you, grow in you, learn of you. You are meek and lowly in heart. You'll tell us truth and lead us in it. Maybe someone here, you are searching in your heart. You just say, "I, I want to have the love to love my enemy. I have a relative that I haven't talked to for 20 years because I have an issue and I cannot forgive them. Why don't you bring it to Jesus and say, what do you say, Lord? What do you say? Recently I heard of a case where this happened and the person went back and they fell in each other's arms. The person said, please forgive me. I haven't forgiven you, and the family was reunited, and I think it, they said like it affected 37 family members. One act of forgiveness 
one ministry of grace from the living God. Not the God we make up, but the one that is living and speaking to us. And bring your, um, your stuff to God out of the cellar of your heart, out of the blindness. Let us all do that as a way of life. And fill us, Lord, with your spirit and teach us the way to go, to love and forgive Give grace and be edifying. In Jesus' name. And then anyone here, you're not a believer. We have a, we have a lot of visitors here today. You're not a believer. We're, we're so glad you're here. You, you can become one. It's up to you. You can become a believer. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Jesus comes into your heart. And all you do is open your heart to him. Trust him. Believe in him. And, and he will show you. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. And, and bring those stuff you don't need in life. And just leave it behind. Leave it at the cross. Leave it there. Leave it there. Just drop it. And follow him. In your heart. Trust him. It's between you and God. And we're here to say it's real. Jesus, thank you, and do your work amongst us as a body. Bring people back to come again and hear more, and come again seven times, and then come again and learn more, and walk by faith in him. Don't give up. Just when you're walking down the sidewalk, say a prayer to your heavenly Father. He will hear you and answer you. Jesus is your best friend. He is your father. He is the one and only. He is the way and the truth and the life. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen.